Good morning. I remember a long time ago being given an amplified New Testament. And my first reaction, I'll have to confess, was, well, this has got a lot of words in it. This could be tedious. But I've come to recognize that the amplification is not so that I can shout louder or that I can understand more quickly, but it's there for length of understanding. This section of our Hebrews chapter 10 is a call to persevere. Would you like to stand, please, as we read together? You'll notice that there are words that I'm going to put in here that come from the Amplified Version. And let us consider thoughtfully how we may encourage one another to love and to do do good deeds, not forsaking our meeting together as believers for worship and instruction, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more faithfully as you see the day of Christ's return approaching. Thank you. One, one quick word um, to make sure we're understanding what this passage says. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. It almost makes it sound like um, some have developed the habit of meeting together. No, what he's saying is some have developed the habit of not meeting together. All right, and that's what the writer to Hebrews is addressing here. Well, I think it's no news to any of you that COVID has changed the way we do many things. Among them are the way people work. Many are working online from their homes now. And, am I still? Okay. And uh, for many, the way we worship online from our homes. Um, In fact, um, we did that ourselves. You know, I'm thankful for the technology that allows us to live stream and post worship services on the Internet. And from March 22nd to July 19th, we had online-only worship. Fortunately, we were able to begin meeting together in the parking lot beginning on July 26th and move back into the sanctuary on September 29th. And you can see the difference in the way we do things now compared to the way we used to do things. Even as we leave, we kind of open these doors for everybody to come in because we kind of trickle in. But because we kind of leave as a herd, um, we encourage people to leave through different exits so we're not all crowded together as we leave. And there's still a number of our folks who cannot join us primarily because of health concerns. Uh, I think we all understand that. The question being asked among pastors now, or among many pastors now, is this. Will people come back to church, to the gathering, once the pandemic is over? Has it gotten too convenient for us to sit at home in our PJs with a cup of coffee to sip on and watch worship service from the comfort of our own living room? 
One pastor in our district I read about recently um, suggested that when COVID is over, when COVID is over, he might suspend online services for a month so that it isn't an option for his people. In other words, he wants to, to encourage them to come back and gather together as a church family on Sunday mornings. Um, well, we will continue to offer live stream and online services. We'll post those on the Internet so that people who can't join us for worship on Sunday mornings uh, can tune in um, online. But what I want to do today is, I guess you could say, make a case for the importance and superiority of meeting together. Now, Gail shared with us this morning from the Amplified Version, I want to read these same passages of Scripture, Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, from the NIV and the New Living Translation, just to give us a little insight into how this is expressed. NIV says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Well, this was written how long ago? About 2,000 years, a little more. And if they thought the day of Jesus returning was close then, just imagine how much closer we are now. And it says, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So it was important then, 2,000 years ago. It's got to be just that much more important now that we're 2,000 years closer to the return of Jesus. Uh, many of you remember this song that was, I think, tended to be sung probably more by uh, southern gospel groups on the Jericho Road. Remember that? As you travel along on the Jericho Road, does the world seem all wrong and heavy your load? Just bring it to Christ. Your sins all confess. On the Jericho Road, your heart he will bless. On the Jericho Road, there's room for just two. No more and no less than Jesus and you. Each burden he'll bear, each sorrow he'll share. There's never a care for Jesus is there. Nice song. Bad theology. Your relationship with Jesus is unique and personal. I understand that. And the decision to trust him as Savior is one that each one of us alone, on our own, has to make. What is it the saying? God has no grandchildren? Okay. Uh, your parents can't do it for you. It's, or your grandparents can't do it for you. It's a decision you have to make on your own. But in the New Testament, it is not Jesus and me. It is Jesus and we. The Christian life is to be lived in community. That's what the New Testament shows us. The word in the Bible for gathering is ecclesia. Its etymology in antiquity was that of a democratic society that gathered together to make collective decisions. The Athenians, in particular, used that word. The verb means to call out or to call forth. So believers are called from the world to a new assembly. That's what was happening in the New Testament. This new thing called the church. 
So I want uh, to make some suggestions or points here this morning that I think supports what the writer to Hebrews tells us in this passage that is our text for today. And the first thing is this. There is strength in together that we could never have on our own. And I think Pam made a, a point of that this morning as she shared with the children. It tells us, and let us not neglect our meeting together. You know, uh, you, well, we see it all over. In fact, if you came in on the sidewalk on uh, Frontier today, you saw the evidence of geese in our yard and on the sidewalk. And um, Geese fly further together. There's a reason why geese fly in a V formation. The flapping of the wings creates eddies in the air. A goose flying behind and slightly to the side of the goose in front of it has an advantage when it does that. It takes advantage of these eddies that actually provide uplift. It actually flies not only slightly to the side, but slightly above the geese in front of them or the goose in front of them. And this additional lift makes flight easier and conserves energy. Scientists say 20 to 30% energy is conserved over a goose flying solo. The one in the lead takes the brunt of the wind, but each goose behind it gets the lift of the one in front of it then. And the birds then take turns leading the front, falling back when they get tired, and riding then on the uplift of the birds in front of them. Geese fly further together. You know, if you read through the writings of Paul and and other epistles, you'll find over and over again these words, each other or one another. It's, It's repeated again and again in the New Testament. In the New Testament, you can find approximately 52 scriptures that deal with the nature of the church and how we are to interact with or treat one another within the body of Christ. These These each other and one another commands instruct disciples of Jesus in how they are to relate to one another as disciples of Jesus. The overarching command is to love one another. That's kind of the foundation of all these commands. We find that in John 13, 35, where Jesus says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. But that love is shown through the other 52 commands, which include, just for example, Romans 12.10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Ephesians 5.21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You hear this one another repeated Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Romans 15.7, accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.11. 
Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. And then finally, this one, Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. In today's busy, preoccupied culture, how can we possibly live out these commands? Well, the best way I know of is through commitment to and involvement in the church, the gathering of God's people for worship and all that goes along with it. Have you ever, well, maybe some of you haven't, maybe you're not interested in football at all and you've never seen one of these interviews, but if you've you've seen an interview with a football quarterback, he might have said something like this. Maybe they've just won the game, they're talking to the quarterback, They're asking him, you know, how were you so successful today? And he says something like this. My offensive line did a great job today. I had good protection and time to get rid of the ball. And we ran the ball well, which opened up the passing game. And the coaches had a great game plan. You know what he was saying? He was saying it was a team effort. And I couldn't have done it without them. You know... Some may, be, some may be able to survive by themselves, but it's difficult to thrive and be great by yourself. David said, the psalmist David, King David said, let us magnify the Lord together. And I think there is something about praying together, singing together, just being together that creates a dynamic which cannot be duplicated unless we are together. When the church comes together in faith, when we come together combined, it brings power, healing, joy, fellowship, and encouragement. There is a synergism together. You know the Reese's people? They make candy. The Reese's people discovered that chocolate and peanut butter are multiplied times better together than when they stand alone. And if any of you love Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, you believe that statement with all your heart, okay? Um, I don't know how many of you have... uh, I love documentaries, and I love documentaries especially that deal with the wildlife, kind of the natural world. And there was one a number of years ago done on emperor penguins who breed in in Antarctica. And um, they, they make this journey inland... They lay their eggs, and then the ladies all head back to sea, and the guys incubate the eggs. <clears throat> and uh, the temperatures during that time drop to as much as 60 below zero, and they have incredible winds. And um, what these penguins do as they incubate these eggs is they huddle together in this big mass. But they don't just stand there, they're constantly moving so that the penguins on the outside eventually get to move in and the penguins on the inside begin, eventually move out. And they're, they're constantly trading places like that so that nobody freezes to death out on the outside. In fact, it's said that in the middle of that huddle, it can be as warm as 70 degrees in the, in the midst of temperatures that are 60 below. It's doing that thing together in cooperation that allows those penguins to survive. In fact, if one of those penguins did decide 
to fly solo. And yes, I know penguins don't fly. That's just an expression. He would probably end up in penguin heaven. Okay? God has designed it so that we need the strength and faith and affirmation of fellow believers. Point two. We must fight the temptation to go solo. And Paul, uh, excuse me, we don't know who wrote Hebrews for sure. But the writer of the Hebrews says, as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, some people were pulling away. Okay? Some people, um, before this last COVID separation, you know, we've kind of had it, okay, you can get together, and oh, it's not a good idea anymore. So we've kind of had this up and down thing. Some people, before this last COVID separation, used to enjoy and reap the the benefits of Ecclesia, the gathering. But during and after COVID, they think, well, you know, we can fly solo now. It's, I'm, I'm kind of comfortable the way it is now. I like watching uh, worship service on TV in the comfort of my own home without having to get up and, you know. You know how it is on Sunday morning, especially with the kids? Ah, you know, they're not ready yet and... I used to just, we had two cars, and so I'd just go. <clears throat> I mean, I'm the pastor. I'm supposed to be there on time. And then if, you know, the girls, especially in high school, they would come trickling in. The pastor's kids, yeah. You know, if you fly solo, if a geese, if a goose flies solo, they'll, they'll wear out much more quickly. They can fall behind, falter have to go down land, and they become prey, possibly, for the coyotes and the wolves. You know, a young fellow who was fed up with church went to see this wise old Christian in his cabin to get some advice. He told him all the things that were bothering him about the church and how he felt that he would be better off without the company of other Christians. As he was speaking, the old man silently took the fire tongs and removed a red-hot glowing coal from the middle of the fire and set it on the hearth. The, the coal glowed for a while, but eventually dimmed and turned black. He let it sit there for a while and then took the tongs and placed the coal back in the middle of the fire. Within seconds, the coal was glowing and red hot once again. The young man took the wordless lesson and left determined to stay involved with the church. Related to that idea is this by C.S. Lewis. He wrote, The New Testament does not picture solitary religion. Some kind of regular assembly for worship and instruction is everywhere taken for granted in the epistles. So, we must, regular, we must be regular practicing members of the church. Of course, we differ in temperament. Some find it more natural to approach God in solitude. But we must go to church as well. For the church is not a human society of people united by their natural affinities. Boy, don't we know that. But the body of Christ, in which all members, however different, and he, speaking of God, rejoices in their differences and by no means wishes to iron them out, must share the common life, complementing and helping one another precisely by their differences. That's Man, if we were all just alike, we'd be disgusted with each other after a while, wouldn't we? How boring would we be? The psalmist said, When planted in the house of the Lord, you will flourish, 
And he also said, I love your sanctuary where your, your glory shines down. There are so many blessings that come from being planted in the house of the Lord. Just begin to name them and you'll realize the value of the ecclesia. And then the third point. We meet together so that we might excite and encourage one another. Excite? What's that about? Verse 24 says that we are to spur one another on to love and good deeds. Depending on the translation you read, that word spur might be motivate, stimulate, or stir up. Now, that's in the more modern translations. But in the older translations, say like the um, a Revised Standard Version or the King James, um, they use the word instead of spur or motivate or stimulate or stir up, they, were, they use the word provoke. So what you do is you make each other angry enough. No, that's not what that word means. That's how we tend to think of it when we use it, don't we? When you provoke somebody, you're irritating them. You're making them angry. Um, Barnes Notes gives us an idea about what this word actually means. It's, it's used in those translations. He, it, he says, we use the word provoke now in a somewhat different sense as a meaning to offend, to irritate, to incense. <clears throat> but its original meaning is to arouse, to excite, to call into action. And it is used in that sense here in this passage of Scripture. The Greek is literally unto a paroxysm of love. The word paroxysm meaning excitement or impulse. And the idea is that they were to endeavor to arouse or excite each other to the manifestation or the the practice of loving one another. That's what it means. And then he goes on to say in in Hebrews, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So what is it about the approaching day that makes the encouragement of one another so important? Well, you probably know the answer to that question already. We've kind of been experiencing that in 2020, haven't we? We are seeing crisis and tragedy all around us. Some of, it, some of us experiencing it more personally than others. The news is full of frightening situations. A tornado wipes out a whole neighborhood. A bomb explodes in a city somewhere. A shooter opens up in a shopping mall. There are riots in the streets. We need encouragement, the encouragement of one another to lift our spirits in the midst of days like this, don't we? And perhaps that's one of the reasons believers in countries where persecution of Christians is common continue to try to meet together anyway. They're told, don't have church, don't meet together. So what do they do? They find a house where they can meet. I had a friend, a professor um, at, at Northwest Nazarene University who went to China a few years ago because they're crying for theological instruction, for Bible instruction. They need to be trained in the Word of God so that they can lead these groups of Christians that gather and, and make sure that they're true to the scripture, that, that, that they're interpre- interpreting it properly. And so he would meet with, with some of these people who would be pastors that were leading churches, and then he'd go to worship with them. And they would be in these buildings or houses, 
And he said, they would get together and sing at the top of their lungs. And it's like, they're going to hear us, you know. But they're desperate to meet together. In spite of the fact that they're not supposed to do that. Because they understand the dynamic that the writer of the Hebrews is talking about here. They need each other. They need that encouragement. Man, you're facing this thing of persecution of Christians all by yourself. It's tough sledding. They need to come together and they realize that and they make every effort to do so. In Psalm 73, and this one particular psalm was written by Asaph, he said, I almost lost my footing. My feet were slipping and I was almost gone. Then I went to the sanctuary. And there he got a new perspective. A few verses later he says, Yet still I belong to you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, leading me to a glorious destiny. Coming together, going to church made a difference in, this, in Asaph's perspective. You know, when the 120 were gathered in the upper room and their spirits were united, the Holy Spirit descended on them corporately. Can you imagine any one of them having missed that event because they just didn't want to go? I don't know what you know about the redwood trees in California. Pretty impressive. Uh, They're the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them reach 200 to 275 feet in height. Their trunks may be as much as 8 to 12 feet in diameter, and some of these trees are over 2,500 years old. The largest of its kind in Northern California stands 368 feet tall. Now, you would think that something that large would have this incredible, massive root system reaching far into the ground to keep something that tall and that large standing tall and proud. But they don't have that kind of root system. Redwoods have a rather shallow root system, especially when compared to other trees like the mighty oak. Instead, the roots of redwoods are intertwined with each other, each tree helping hold its neighbors erect and in place. If one of them was off by itself, it would quite likely topple in the first good wind. They need each other for survival. The pressures and winds of opposition seem to be strengthening against us. Your faith connected with my faith and each other's faith encourages each of us. You know, when a wolf pack or a pride of lions find an animal by itself, it's in real danger. Or, you know, when they sneak up and surprise the herd and off they go and someone kind of breaks away or lags behind, that's the one that gets picked off. You know, lions will even take down a lone young elephant. But if he stays with the herd, he's safe. There's a YouTube video of a water buffalo calf in Kruger National Park. Have any of you seen this, I wonder? Uh, Okay. It's, it's, it's a water buffalo calf in Kruger National Park, and it's actually taken down by a pride of lions right next to a river. In fact, the calf falls in the river. The lions have it on one end. Pretty soon a crocodile comes up, and they're 
The lions are pulling it up on shore, and the crocodile's trying to pull it into the river. I mean, it's like, wow, what a tense situation. Talk about being caught between a rock and a hard place. That's the ultimate picture of that. But the herd, finally the lions win, and they pull it back up onto dry ground, and they're all over this thing. But after a while, the herd of, of uh, Cape Buffalo returns. And guess what? The, the lions end up running for their lives. They defeat the king of the jungle by coming together as a group. And the calf, by the way, survives it all. It gets up and runs off. Don't ask me how, but it does. I, I've heard that Cape Buffalo are tough. Well, that's a testimony to that fact. And folks, the scripture tells us that there is a lion who goes about and seeks the loner who he can destroy. Look at 1 Peter 5.8. You don't have to do life by yourself. Victor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning said that if a concentration camp inmate tried to go through that terrible ordeal alone, they died quickly. They needed one another. You were designed to be connected. It's in your DNA. I'm going to close with this. Uh, it's actually a devotional from our daily bread just this past week. If some of you use that, you, know, you probably read this. It said, in 1876, men drilling for coal in central Indiana thought they had found the gates of hell. Historian John Barlow Martin reports that at 600 feet, foul fumes issued from, forth from amid awesome noises. Afraid they had bitten into the roof of the devil's cave, the miners plugged the well and scurried back to their homes. The miners, of course, were mistaken, and some years later they would drill again and find out that this was actually natural gas. Even though they were mistaken, I find myself, the writer says, a, a little jealous of them. These miners lived with an awareness of the spiritual world that is often missing from my own life. It's easy for me to live as if the supernatural and the natural rarely intersect and to forget that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And that's not always easy to remember, is it? <clears throat> When we see evil winning in our world, we shouldn't give in or try to fight it in our own strength. Here comes one of these one another things. Instead, we're to resist evil by putting on the full armor of God, studying Scripture, meeting regularly with other believers for encouragement, and making choices with the good of others in mind. And it can help us stand up against the, the devil's schemes. Equipped by the Holy Spirit, we can stand firm in the face of anything. Folks, we are better together. Amen. We're going to share together in communion in this time, and hopefully you all received uh, 